We're on question 97 of our catechism, which asks, what is baptism? And listen to the answer. Baptism is an ordinance of the New Testament instituted by Jesus Christ to be unto the party baptized a sign of his fellowship with him in his death, burial, and resurrection, of his being engrafted into him, of remission of sins, and of his giving up himself unto God through Jesus Christ to live and walk in newness of life. I would like to read from Romans 6, 1 through 14. So hear now the reading of God's, to- God's holy word. Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again, Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will no, have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. This is now the reading of God's most holy word. May he add his blessing to the preaching of it this afternoon. I'd like to begin by reminding you that we have been considering the question, how does God take the redemption that Christ has earned, he earned it a long time ago, didn't he? How does he take the redemption that Christ has earned and apply it to his elect living in different times and in different places throughout the world, even to this present day? Christ has earned our redemption. There are many benefits that come along with it. That is finished. There's nothing left for him or for us to do But now we are asking, how does this salvation that Christ has earned for us, how does it come to be ours? How do we come to enjoy all of the benefits uh, that Christ has uh, earned for us? How do we receive them? In fact, question 90 of our catechism asked, "What what doth God require of us that we may escape his wrath and curse due to us for sin? And the answer given was to escape the wrath and curse of God Due to us for sin, God requireth of us faith in Jesus Christ, repentance unto life with the diligent use of all the outward means whereby Christ communicateth to us the benefits of redemption. So to be saved, we know that we must turn from sin and we must trust in Christ. This is how we come to be saved. We turn from our sin and we, we place our 
faith in Christ. But now we are asking the question, how does God deliver or communicate the benefits that Christ has earned to us? And I think you would agree that there must be a conduit or a connection between Christ and us. All of these benefits are received by faith, but how will we come to hear of Christ and His finished work, for example, so that we might actually trust in Jesus? How does this work? And one of the things that we have learned is that God's Word, read and preached, is a, is a means of grace. This is how we come to hear about Jesus Christ and the truth of the Gospel, so that we might, in fact, believe in Jesus Christ. There must be a conduit. There must be a way for us to, to receive all of these benefits that Christ has earned. And so we have said that the, the conduits are these, uh, the Word of God read and preached, also baptism and the Lord's Supper along with prayer. These are the ordinary things that God uses in order to bring uh, His people to salvation and to nourish them in the Christian life. These are the ordinary means of grace. But here we are talking about baptism. We are talking about baptism in particular. We've learned about the Word read and preached. Uh, we'll learn about the Lord's Supper. But here we are learning about baptism. Um, and we are asking simply this, what is it? What is baptism? You've all seen baptisms before. Uh, we've had a number of them recently, and, and that is a great blessing. But what is baptism? And by the way, understanding what baptism is will help us to answer the question, who is it for? Can you see the connection there? What is it? Uh, well, once we know, we will have a, a better idea of who it is to be applied to, who it is for. I think you'll see what I mean in just a moment. So what is baptism? What is baptism? Let me go through our catechism answer piece by piece. First of all, baptism, we are told, is an ordinance of the New Testament. Where do we find instruction concerning what baptism is? We must go to the New Testament. It's true, under the Old Covenant, there were ceremonial washings, so some things kind of similar to baptism in some ways. Ceremonial washings that uh, prepared the worshiper to enter into the temple and, and to worship. But there's nothing like baptism there. Baptism is commanded and it is described to us where in the New Testament. So we must go to the New Testament. And what do we find? We see that John the Baptist baptized with water. He did so... Uh, where there were large bodies of water, he would take people under and bring them up again and baptize them. So too, uh, Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist and his disciples were commanded to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So where do we learn about baptism? It's in uh, the pages of uh, the New Testament. Uh, for baptism is in fact a sign of the, the new covenant uh, inaugurated by Christ. We see here also that it was instituted by Jesus Christ. Yes, John baptized in preparation for the coming kingdom, but it was Christ who told his disciples, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, promising to be with us always, even to the end of the age. So it was instituted by Jesus Christ. We will see that the same is true of the Lord's Supper. He instituted that. And so where are we to go? We're to go to the New Testament and we're to listen to Christ uh, when it comes to the proper administration of baptism. And notice that it is to be unto the party baptized. I wanted to emphasize these words for just a moment. Oftentimes we talk about what we say when we are baptized. 
Have you noticed this? Uh, when we are baptized, we, that is the one baptized, is making a public profession of faith. The one baptized is saying Jesus is Lord. It, it's, it's an outward sign of an inward reality. So the one being baptized is saying certain things to the world as they partake of this ordinance. And all of that is true. In fact, we'll get there in just a moment. But notice the first thing uh, that is mentioned here is that baptism, which is an ordinance of the New Testament instituted by Jesus Christ, is to be unto the party baptized, to the one baptized, a sign of certain things. So, so something is being said to uh, the one being baptized also. Uh, so uh, th- there, is, there is that going on with baptism as well. It is to be unto the party baptized a sign. I think this is very important. Certain things are symbolized, certain things are signified in uh, the waters of baptism. So what is baptism a sign of? What are the things that it signifies? Um, There are four things mentioned in our catechism, and I think they are all very helpful. It is, first of all, a sign of his, that is to say, the one who is being baptized, of his fellowship with him, that is Christ, in his death, burial, and resurrection. So when someone is baptized, it is showing that that person is, in fact, in fellowship with Christ. Uh, that person has died with Christ and has been raised again with Him. That was emphasized this morning, wasn't it? We go under the water, signifying our death, and we are brought up again, signifying our new life in Christ Jesus. We have fellowship with Him. And in fact, that's what that Romans 6 passage spoke of as Paul was there exhorting the Romans to no longer live in sin. You know, he's addressing kind of a hypothetical question. Uh, Well, is it really that bad that we sin? Because after all, the more we sin, the more God's grace is is, uh, magnified. Uh, So I guess some within the church in Rome were arguing that way. We don't need to be that concerned with sin because the more sin we have, the more we are forgiven and more glory goes to God. Paul says, should we think in that way? By no means. Um, For how can you who have died with Christ and been raised to a newness of life continue sinning? Uh, You you cannot do this because the old self has been put to death. You have a new life in Christ now. So therefore live according to this new life that is yours in Christ Jesus. And throughout that Romans 6 passage, Paul uses baptism uh, to, to signify all of this. He's calling the Roman church to remember their baptism. You died to your old self in the waters of baptism and you were raised to a newness of life. Do not forget it. So it is to be unto the party baptized a sign of his or her fellowship with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. Just as Christ died and rose again, so too have you through faith in him. You have died and you've been raised again to a newness of life. Live now out of the newness of life that is yours in Christ Jesus is the message of the Apostle. you notice there's a colon here, a semicolon here in the Catechism uh, because another, another thing is going to be mentioned, uh, another, another sign in baptism. So this is a rich ordinance, ordinance, isn't it? A lot of things are signified by the waters of baptism. Of his being engrafted into him is the next thing that is said. And so, as you read through the pages of the New Testament, you will see that there's all this talk of being found in Christ, 
uh, united to him by faith. In him, in him, in him is the language that we find throughout the pages of the New Testament. And we know that we come to be engrafted into him by faith. But baptism is a sign of that. Uh, our union with Christ Jesus is signified in the waters of baptism. Also, of remission of sins, that too is signified. And it's not hard to see how this is signified by the waters of baptism. Water has a cleansing effect upon us, doesn't it? And so when the one baptized goes under the water and is brought up again, there the washing away of his or her sins is symbolized of remission of sins. And then lastly, of his giving up himself unto God through Jesus Christ to live and walk in newness of life. So at the beginning, or near the beginning, I did emphasize that when one is baptized, that person says, Jesus is Lord. Uh, that person does make a, a commitment through the waters of baptism to have Jesus as Lord and to, and to walk in a manner that is now worthy. And that is signified too. As the person is baptized, they receive this sign which tells the world, this one belongs to God. This one belongs to Christ. In fact, God's name is placed upon us through the waters of baptism. We are to baptize in the name of, of who? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are to baptize in the name of the triune God. And so when we do this, when we baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we are in fact applying God's name to that person. This one belongs to the triune God. This one belongs to the Lord. And in fact, that is what we are saying when we were baptized. We are giving ourselves up to God through Jesus Christ to live and to walk in newness of life. A bit ago I said answering the question, what is baptism, will help us to see clearly who it should be applied to. Who should baptism be applied to? Well, we're going to come to that question um, in, in, in the weeks to come. But I think it should be clear that baptism should be given to those of whom this sign is true. Does that make sense? It should be given to those who have fellowship with Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection. It should be given to those who've been engrafted into Him by faith. It should be given to those who have had their sins washed away. It should be given to those who have given themselves up to God through Jesus Christ to live and walk in newness of life. In other words, it should be given to those who have heard the gospel and who have responded to it in faith. It should be given to believers and never to those who do not believe. I'll conclude by asking you this question. If you are a Christian, I assume you have been baptized. Uh, and I'll ask you this. Do you remember your baptism? I do, vividly. It was a big moment for me, in fact. Um, you know, we say that we're not saved through baptism. I mean, that's certainly true. Baptism itself, in and of itself, does not save us. Faith in Christ does. But we are saying here that the Spirit powerfully works through baptism. And that would be my experience as well. I think it is good for Christians to, from time to time to, to look back and to remember their baptism. Not just as a special moment in their life, you know, in a sentimental sort of way but to remember everything that was signified there 
Don't forget what was symbolized. Don't forget the commitment you made. Don't forget the word that was spoken to you. Certainly do not forget the name that was placed upon you when you were baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're to be faithful in Christ Jesus now. You're to follow through on the commitment you made. You're to live as one who has put the old self to death and now has newness of life uh, through the finished work of Christ on the cross. Brothers and sisters, every time we have a baptism, we should rejoice in it. It should be an exhilarating thing for the church to partake of. We must be careful in applying baptism to those who have made a credible profession of faith. And of course, our prayer is that in the, the years to come, that we'll have the privilege of baptism, uh, baptizing very many, especially uh, the children of this congregation as they grow up in the Lord and come to make a credible profession of faith of, of their own. May the Lord uh, bless us with that Experience. Let's bow together for prayer. Father, we thank you for the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. We thank you for uh, what they signify. We thank you for the signs that they are. Uh, they are a help to us. We have your word, and we thank you for it. It is our foundation. It is our authority for truth. But these sacraments, um, they communicate the gospel in powerful ways, visibly to us. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this. Help us to remember our baptism. Help us to be faithful, to follow through on the commitment that we have made. God, do reassure us that indeed our sins have been washed away, that we have been raised to newness of life. Uh, Father, uh, sometimes we may be prone to doubt these things, but as we look upon our baptism, may we be reminded and reassured that this is indeed true. It's all made possible through Christ and His finished work. In His name we pray. Amen.